Howdy, folks. Welcome to Sketchy Conversations with John Melson IV. I'm your host, John Melson IV, obviously. But um, let me tell you about, about this episode. I just This might be a rare moment, actually. I apologize for swearing too much in an episode, but let me explain. Okay, whenever I get nervous, I have a tendency to just cuss a lot, like almost the rhythm is gone. In this interview, I'm a wee bit embarrassed, though, by it, you know? And I just want to apologize for that in advance. This might be the rare moment I actually do apologize for the occasional slip-up, you know, swear-wise. But this wasn't a slip-up. This was... It wasn't a seasoned episode. It was just me just, like, dumping the pepper on there. But let me explain the reason why. I admit it. With Mega Ran, I remember when he was random. And to see him succeed... To say I'm proud of him is an understatement. And I admit it, I fanboyed out. And I'm just truly honored to have him on the show, and I'm truly honored that he even did the show. But on this episode, we talk about his roots in Philadelphia. We also talk about wrestling, too. And we talk about gaming and his new book. Once again, if you're offended by language, on my part, I sincerely apologize. Anyway, so how's it looking out in Arizona? Uh, It's actually cloudy and rainy and cold right now, which is completely out of uh out of character for this place but um i like it everyone else kind of for the most part they love it too people when they get a little rain out here it's like a holiday people are like yay so uh but yeah it's chilly i was just outside and i was not expecting that <laughs> yeah i guess it's usually how does a motherfucker out in arizona right uh yeah t- typically um but even even now like i think i'm just spoiled i just turned into a punk being out here so long that like it's probably only like 50 degrees and for some reason that's cold <laughs> yeah probably because you're not used to it it's like it's 37 degrees where i am right now you know mm-hmm. see. see that's legit cold you yeah know, that's a few degrees away from freezing so that's cold but 50 shouldn't be cold but that's... when you're used to 110 then yeah that's the east coast biting your ass pretty much <laughs> you know Yep. <laughs> yeah, because you're you're from Philadelphia, right? I am from Philly. Hey, so I read your book. I read your book, by the way. I want to make sure it's like what's it called again? It is called Dream Master. Cool. Get thought so because the first thing I thought was Little Nemo. So I'm like, nice. This is a man of culture right here. <laughs> Absolutely, Little Nemo was my jam. I mean, it was like a super popular game, but I remember renting it a couple times, and and uh, and it's based on this really old you know, story and comic strip about this kid who had just like crazy, you know, dreams and, and imagination. And, uh, and I think that's what we all are, you know, and the world tells you to, you know, throw up and get rid of all those illusions and delusions of grandeur. But, but I think the people who are, you know, most kind of satisfied with life are the people who didn't stop dreaming, you know? I know, right. Who would could you ever imagine Windsor McKay ever thinking like, Wow, I never expected my, you know, my creation to be a be a video game. But yeah, what the fuck's a video game? Because it's back in the nineteen hundreds. Right, you wouldn't have even known that that was a thing. I know, right? You know. So, um, what was it like growing up in Philadelphia? Well, I loved Philly. I think just being in a place that was so culturally, you know, blossoming and colorful, it was really dope. I think just. Uh, being around such great music and fashion and style and slang, you know, I always say there's nothing like Philly cats, you know, like because of where you come from, what you, what you're kind of up against, 
But um, I, I got to a point where I felt like Philly was being was a little cold, not just you know physically because of the, the weather, but I feel like it was cold to to me as a person who was trying to do something different, and I just didn't think artistically that the city would would embrace something different. You know, we were kind of stuck in our ways, especially you know early mid two thousands with hip hop. Oh, yeah. You know, it was it was Rockefeller or, or, or Guy, you know, at that time. You weren't Beanie Siegel, Freeway and the Young Guns. There was really no no space for you to exist. So I started getting a little discouraged by that and I just that's when I started considering spreading my wings. I started traveling a little more and uh and that was when I thought and I was still teaching. So I just thought, you know, wherever this teaching thing takes me, like maybe I can also pick up there with my music career and see what happened so it was arizona so i was like well let's give it a try true because i remember like because all right i'm totally an outsider basically voyeur and everything but i remember like philadelphia hip-hop if you did not have a suny beard you were not on (laughs) i mean yeah like philly had the look you know it's like you had to have the thick beard and kind of be a gangster you know and that's just what it was and uh, yeah, like if you were anything outside of that, it just didn't it didn't click. So I would make beats for a lot of those guys. You know, I made beats and got them to a lot of really cool acts during those times. But like, I knew that me as a rapper who was inspired by video games, comic books, and pop culture wasn't gonna have a chance. So no. I was just like, I was like, well, let me just make beats and you know, kind of see what happened. I likened it to like early Kanye, where you know producing you know was the thing that kind of got got me started but that i always had dreams of doing a little more with it you know oh, yeah because think about it one thing of philadelphia I also think of like you know in the mid all right because you're probably a better viewer vision because you're actually there another thing i think about philadelphia is think this kind of a cool black alt rock scene there actually like this is one artisan ghetto songbird actually right and I remember her even making it to BET 106 in Park, actually, right? And, like, I noticed a lot of people try to, or like, a lot of black rock artists, they try to go to Philadelphia because, you know, affordable there, and it's like, okay, there's no place in New York for us like that, so we tried to kind of hang out here or develop. Like, hell, one of the first punk bands, uh, Pure Hell's from Philadelphia, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I wish, you know, I think about that a lot. Like, the Philly punk scene and rock scene was definitely doing its thing. And uh, I, I feel like later on, the fully rap scene got it together, like in the underground. But for the most part, it was definitely, um, it wasn't as open, you know, as the rock scene was to, to hear something new and creating a new movement. They were kind of have like kind of resentment of moments. I feel like I started this, I've been doing this nerdcore shirt. It's the fucking things I get. Uh, I think about it sometimes, but I try not to go to get too angry because it's like, you know, everything comes around in time. And it's funny because Philly in particular is a city that is very, like, nerdy and has, em- has embraced its nerdy side as of late, you know. And we've seen a lot of cool stuff happen and, and dope comic book shops. And uh, I just saw they had, like, a, a really cool comic shop run by a black woman yeah. out there that made a lot of waves. Like, all this cool stuff. And I was like, man, where was this when I needed it coming up, you know. But at the same time, I'm the kid that, I look at it like I kind of helped to build a bridge, you know, and hopefully somebody else will walk across that bridge and walk to 
to prosperity. But, you know, at the time, it was literally gambling with my life and my health, you know, to be to be enthusiastic about these things, you know. And uh, yeah, I, I try not to get too upset about it. I know that all things come in cycles. I'm sure like skate skate kids think feel the same way, you know. Oh, like, totally. Man, this was this was our scene, and now everybody's doing it, and man, you know. But I'm not too upset. But at the same time, like I do, I wish it was there for me because I needed that as a kid, and I think that our our age group and our peers need to see that. But at the same time. I'm glad it exists. I'm just really glad for the for the kids these days that they can literally be and like whatever. You know, that's a good way to look at it too, because I you know, aside of being the grumpy old guy, like, alright, I feel like this wave got new metal right, if that makes sense or not. <laughs> they figured out oh so okay, so it's like alright, so what we did we they figured out the proper formula. Like the other one had too much goddamn nutmeg into it. It tastes like Christmas. So now, okay, now just for seasoning. Gotcha. You mm-hmm. know, that's why I dig about like the newer kind of like, you know, they call it rage core trap metal. Like I like the idea. I like where they're going with it, you know, but, mm-hmm. but yeah. So, okay. That being said, so, you know, when you were on the production side, you were like an engineer too, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So how did it come about though? Like, did you study anybody, or was it just kind of trial and error, or did you kind of feel like, yo, this is what I want to be? No, this was I wanted to I wanted to rap. Like I've been writing raps since the mid '90s. After hearing like Wu Tang, Gangstar, Trap Call Quest, De La, I was like, I want to try this. But I didn't know any way. I didn't know any studios. I I, I picked up a little four track and started messing with that. But I wanted to get into a real studio, and the only way in was to volunteer to be an engineer so i learned early on from one of my mentors that it's important to be a yes man and i was like what's that mean and he's like yeah a guy who when someone says hey can you do this you can say yes so when someone said hey can you engineer i said yes and then i studied and learned but i didn't actually know how to do it when i said yes so uh you know that got me into the studio and we're messing with this big old analog board. This is like right before Pro Tools and everything kind of took over. So we're messing with an analog board, and, and I just kind of watched and learned, you know, and that was really it. It was just like trial and error, you know, and once I figured it out, I was able to then use what I learned to, one, bring in my own clientele, and two, during after hours, I could bring my homies in, and we could all record our own stuff. And so that's really what I did. I kind of snuck and made a demo while I was there because my, my dream was definitely not to be the guy behind the board because I literally saw these guys get the most disrespect of anybody in, in the process. of Yeah. Just, I yeah. will say engineers, then DJs, then producers probably get like the, in the totem pole of respect. You know, I, I wish that, and because there, nothing sounds good without an engineer, but like I've literally watched, rappers scream on threaten punch fight engineers because they didn't like what what things sounded like or being told hey step back from the mic some or hey speak up a little louder or i can't i'm not mickey you know and i watched it and i was like oh this ain't for me like i can't do this at all like these guys were like literally working in fear and under duress you know in studios that i've been in and uh I learned from an early age that, unfortunately, the engineer got very little respect. And, like, the pay wasn't even great. Like, I was in there for, like, $20 an hour. 
and I could only keep half, so I was working for $10 an hour, and uh, it wasn't worth it. So I was trying any way I could to get out of that situation. So during breaks when they would go out and smoke or chill or whatever, I'd play my beats. And they'd be like, yo, who made that? And I'm like, oh, me, you know? And they'd be like, who'd you make that on? And I was like, oh, you know, a couple programs. But I was really making them on a PlayStation. And uh, and a lot of these guys, you know, they didn't know. They just knew the beat was good. And I knew what they wanted at that time. Everybody wanted Rockefeller, Just Blaze, Kanye Productions, you know, samples, sped up, chipmunk style, and, uh, you know, over bangers, you know. And uh, so I started just trying my hand at that. And people liked it. So I was able to sell beats during my times, like in between sessions, and, uh, and then record myself after sessions. That's very true about the engineer, because I remember hearing stories about guys who were death row actually get their asses handed to them, actually. So that's why it's like, I'll put it this way. Rap and I have a weird relationship, actually, right? Where it's almost like, you know, I'll put it that way, you know? Okay. If that makes sense or not. I'll well, explain, it. explain. All right, I'll put it this way. Um, the kind of rap I grew up on, basically, I was like, I grew up on, like, literally, I'm one of those guys that grew up on fucking everything, right? In fact, I was a guy that can basically figure out samples, right? Because, you know, big-ass vinyl collection my parents had. So, it's like, you know, but the thing about it is, so I was like, okay, cool. So, I'll put it this way. It depends who is allowed to the house. Like, you know, Ice Cube is on his good behavior. It's allowed to the house. Uncle Luke is not. Because always brings a girlfriend <laughs> or two, all right? So, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, you know, but... You know, my, also my favorite rappers growing up were guys like Isham. I fucking love those are my hero growing up. Okay. You know, stuff like that, like you know, kind of horrorcore stuff too. You that's know? like that's horrorcore uh, originator or you know OG. My fucking idol because uh, he scared the shit out of people. <laughs> like, that stuff is very really scary, man. Exactly. Man, he was like Brother Lynch. Yes. Uh, I thought these people were gonna kill me. You know? <laughs> that was that was the thing about it. It was weird. Think about rap was this. It's like you could basically have every seven deadly sin, but throw up a pentagram. Oh, you gone too far now, nigga. What? <laughs> mm, yeah, how about that. Go figure. I remember that thing with uh, with bone thugs. Everybody just knew oh, they're demonic and all. Uh, the, bone know, thugs already was like, like to me. That was like okay, like it was weird because I'm put it this way. I wasn't like goth technically, but I was when he Gomez Adams, right? And I was like the closest I ever got to get into goth before. I've, discover goth gothic music was like bone thoughts and harmony and through mafia mm-hmm. too but yeah so but that's true about like you know the engineer always gets like like okay f- interesting story one of my buds did a session with um legally i can't say the name um <laughs> and what happened okay. was he's a short little guy too and the shorter they are the angrier they are you know mm-hmm. he almost got shot actually at a session also but also and not just a black thing because they got fucking assholes too so it all depends on varies but yeah so all right so that being said and everything so you kind of like you know so you get your wings and whatnot you know you know really worked it kind of like a kind of reminds me a little bit of like a cross between how like um tr- how trent reznor got his start you know and also learned stuff too kind of like a triple h as well in a weird way um so so it's like you know so you learn that and so what was okay? So, okay. Did you say Triple H? Because that that totally is is a parallel that I've never really think it, drawn. Think it is right here. But, Triple H really how he got in was he was a constant learner. He was a part yeah. of the clique, but he was the driver. Like he didn't get drunk with those guys. He was a sober ride. He asked questions of Vince. Yep. I mean the game. Like he studied the game, and it's 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 brilliant. I remember watching his rise and like hating him so much. I mean. 
they they did such a good job of of really driving it home that you hate this guy. Like he would come out, just yell, talk, whine, and uh, but yeah, he studied the game from behind the scenes, and I feel like the best I mean, as as a teacher. I've always been taught that, like the best teachers are the best students. Yeah. Like if you're willing to learn, sit on the learning tree, take game, take advice. You know, sometimes even maybe get yelled at, and uh, and understand the game. You can do some great things. I was just watching the Salt and Pepper uh, Lifetime movie, and uh, for you know for its 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 flaws, it was also very charming, and uh, and some really great things happened. Like Salt is in this relationship with Herbie Lovebug and uh, knows early on that he's like cheating and doing his dirt, but hangs around to learn the business. And then by the time they're ready to like break up, she's like, we could do this on our own because I've been studying. I understand. I know what to do. I've been watching him, you know? So playing the long game, sitting under the learning tree can absolutely be beneficial. When you started rapping and everything, were you familiar with nerdcore, or was it just a coincidental thing? No way. My, I made my, like, I started rapping based on, like I said, Wu Tang, Snoop Dogg, uh, Trap Call Quest, Dela, and Gangstar. So as I started doing my thing, I realized I'm not a gangster. I can't talk about how I'm gonna beat you up. I don't fight. So we just started making references to the fun things that we liked, like video games or comic books or whatever we were doing. So. Then when I heard Wu Tang do it, you know, swinging through your town like your neighborhood Spider Man, I was like, oh, oh snap! Like it's cool, I can do this, you know. And that's kind of what gave me the the encouragement to keep going. And so I'm doing my thing. The Mega Mega Ran project is working its way up through the weird channels. Like video game companies are video game websites are like reviewing the album and. uh and then at the same time, someone, I think, in an interview said, like, this is like nerdcore. And I was like, what's nerdcore? Little did I know, at the same time, running parallel was this subgenre of music called nerdcore. Uh, MC Frontalot has started the, this genre and um, was out playing shows, doing stuff. They did a documentary on him. We wound up meeting. I was doing a podcast at the time, so I interviewed him. And uh, his mom helped me, like, hold the recorder. So that was cool. Aww. And... Um, we did a we did a dope chat, and then after that, we just kind of started running in the same circles. Like people started booking me and him on the same shows, or then I met other guys, MC Lars, MC you know Chris, and and uh and the community really embraced me, and and I really felt like it felt like that Philly punk you know like surge because all these guys were super DIY, making everything at home, making all their beats, recording themselves, and making fun music that could bring 75 to 150 kids out to a show on a weekend. And uh, and it was just a dope vibe, you know? And so it felt a lot like, like the punk scene or like the early, maybe, was that early 2000s, I guess, the raucous movement and Def Jux and a lot of those other things that were happening in oh, hip-hop. Yeah. We had kind of that, but in like, you know, the 2008, 9, 10 time. And man, everybody was just super cool. It was like ciphers every time we came out to do a show. It was people doing really good performances, and then we started touring together. And uh, yeah, it was just a really great insurgence of of like new blood into into kind of the rap scene for me. 
And so, but I would still play my traditional hip hop shows. And I was in Philly opening for Sean Price. I'll never forget. And um, somebody in the front row, I think I mentioned in the book that somebody in the front row was like, yo, play the Mega Man John, yo. And I was like, what? What you know about the Mega Man John? Like, I ain't, I ain't expect to hear that in this crowd, you know? And uh, and that's when it kind of all came together for me. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, you can be your full self in all of these different arenas, and, and somebody's going to vibe with it. But, yeah, it's like, okay, so speaking of which, you rap on any random, so how did name Mega Man come about? Well, I was random, which was my favorite, uh, one of my favorite ca- characters from a comic book. Um, from X Factor, this dude random popped up and he was able to like transform himself into all these different things. So I was like, oh, I like it. Later on, and with the birth of the internet, I realized random is a hard search term to, to corner the market on. Random is like the opposite of search engine optimization because it's literally a word. So now, though, which is crazy, I know that I've changed my name. If I search random rapper, I think I come up first. So that's pretty fun. Full but, circle. But anyway, uh, but yeah, like full circle. This is just a just a sign of sticking to it. But yeah, like so, I was random for a while, and then of course my favorite video game was Mega Mega Man because the music was so dope. Yes, colors, great stuff. And so I combined the two words, and you know I tried a couple different things. Mega Mega Man, I don't know, but I just flipped them around, and Mega ran. It worked, and that's kind of how it how it happened. That's pretty cool, you know, because I got the name Sketch actually literally. Remember that comic, Remember that video game Comic Zone? Yes! I thought the name Sketch Turner was cool as shit, so I got the name Sketch from there. Yo, is that what Sketch came from? Yeah, that's literally what it came from. Actually, it's two stories. Funny thing about it. Like, it came from Sketch Turner from Comic Zone, because you're the only ones that picked up that reference. And wow. the reason why, because, okay, obviously my name's John because I'm the fucking show and everything. And what happened was, those five, I was, back when I was younger, I was really into animation. Still am, you know, still draw a bit, though. And those five guys in my class named John, I got sick of Whiplash. <laughs> so I said, <laughs> exactly. So I'm like, fuck it, call me Sketch. And literally that's how it came about. Wow. I assumed it was because you wrote or you drew oh yeah that or, too you, you know or you were dope with the graffiti at the hand style you know i like wish i, I assume a, those I, i'm a better designer than graffiti because i was like out of respect because i know actual taggers and stuff you know like i did interview with my ex-drummer um kelvin you know he's a tagger as well and a phenomenal drummer too you know um mm-hmm. so but yeah but back to it though um but yeah hold on like I'm over, look like all the stuff written down and everything. I'm trying to like grab the Larry King style to RIP. Um, mm-hmm. So as I was saying though, so but that's the fast thing about it though because those like my dudes back in the day were like MC Lars, nicest son of a bitch I've ever spoken to online. One of them, top ten. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, guy. he's the nicest guy I've ever met. We used to talk, we used to talk about it on AIM actually, right? You know, MC Front a lot. You know, I remember what was that weird thing in his head though actually, right? But I've I used to make like those little chopped and screw mixes before it's called vaporwave. I was like, before it's called, before it's called like slowed and reverb. I was doing something similar, except I added delay instead. I was trying to basically DJ screw of the East Coast. Anyway, <laughs> and I used to do mashups of MC Chris's stuff. Um, only reason why I never tried to bootleg him because funny story, he responded back to a message. So I was like, you know what, you're cool, pal. <laughs> you know, <laughs> only reason why. So, but yeah. Wow. 
And that's what I loved about the scene is that, yeah, all of us would respond. You know what I mean? Like, we'll all get get on email, we'll get on AIM, we'll respond on Messenger. Like, we're all real people, which I think is what a lot of what made our scene really, really dope and special is that everyone knew that. Like, we were, no one was really out of reach. You know, like, we'd all sit and chat with you for hours at the merch table and all kinds of stuff. And I think that's what's really helped to build our support system that has been following us around for 10 years, man. Like, even through the pandemic, like, we do, we do live stream shows once a month. And it, we always get a good amount of folks from all over the world who just come out, buy a ticket, you know, get the cool merch, wear it. We do an after party on Zoom where we get a few other people to pop in. And, man, it's always, like, such a great vibe of community and family, man. Totally. You know, that's what I really dug about it. Because I put it this way, like, I felt comfortable at warm at home in Nurkor because I feel like, Holy shit, that was actually a pretty goddamn clever 16 bars right there, you know? <laughs> I that's a, that's a big thing for me. It's like, it's got to be dope. And, like, at the end of the day, like, people look at it like, oh, it's a gimmick. Or, oh, they're just dressing up funny. They get, you know, it's like a like a parody of rap. And it's like, no, nah, man. Like, it's a lot of people who have studied hip-hop and the culture, but maybe just found their own way to relate to it, you know? And exactly. they're super clever and smart and funny. Like, I'll put... MC Chris bars up against anybody. Like you sit there and look at it and break it down and read it in print. And you're like, oh shit! Like do the spin, you know? Yes. You know, I look at that and I really that's what to me brought me to it because a lot of my friends will be like, oh man, like oh, I don't know about that gimmicky stuff. And I'm like, are you listening to these lyrics? Like, are you listening to the structure here? Like these guys are legit nerds. That includes word nerds, you know. So make it. Like, people gotta understand that. Exactly, like, you know, like I was thinking that too, like, like okay, you can, you can feel the authenticity, like, this guy spent a lot of time by himself, you know, for like, <laughs> a lot of this shit, you know? Like, oh yeah, so did I, you know? Like, yeah. I absolutely did. So, uh, shot in the dark, but you were just getting Task 1. Yeah, yeah, I remember Task. I remember for, when... For not, a, not a great reason, but, uh, yeah. I remember it all fell apart for him, by the way. Uh, tell your tell your listeners how that fell apart. Uh, well, first of all, you don't start biting lines and shit like that. <laughs> well, see, all right. So I want to I want to just throw in a, a a little bit of a monkey wrench. I cut I cut this part out if it's cool, you know, because let's you know. Just, no, no, it's fine. Right. It's fine. I don't I don't know him personally. I met him once. Um, I went to one of his shows. He came out to Phoenix, and then it all fell apart. Now, you do know that Task 1 named himself after the Taskmaster, correct? Yeah, vaguely. You know that? Yeah, vaguely. All right, so let me tell you who the Taskmaster is. This is a Marvel character known as Tony Masters, who was able to shapeshift and steal identities from oh, other people. <laughs> oh, damn. He duplicates his, the moves of his, of his uh, enemies. Now, I'm going to tell y'all, Task 1 might just be a freaking genius. Now, so then, Task 1, who pops up, you know, in the team backpack scene, starts killing it on rhymes and stuff, then begins to bite raps from other rappers. Yeah. Now, this is, this is like some MF Doom level <laughs> clever yes. villain, villainy. Now, 
granted, this is you know, biting in hip hop is the cardinal sin, and like in stand up comedy, you don't do that. It. Yeah, you can't come back from it. But like, look at Doom. How Doom, you know, rest in peace, literally didn't show up to his shows. You know, like he had other people show up as him to perform. You know, and people looked at it. The people who were there, I'm sure, were very upset. But people outside of it were like, man, that really adds to his, like, mystique. Like, you just never know what Doom's going to do. He's so quirky, you know. Uh, task one just bites a couple lines and gets uh, gets escorted out of the game. So um, he did. I don't know if this was, like, a, a plot or what. Or maybe, like, a social experiment. Like, I don't know. But it's very interesting. Here's the weird. Here's the thing about it. Because what thought Taskmaster? You know the first thing I thought of, right? Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's the first I thing forgot, I thought I forgot, of, actually. I forgot, I forgot you're a wrestling head. Yes, Kevin Sullivan. Who another one who we thought was demonic and like a devil worshiper. Like he just played the part. Really it well. worked. Shoot, he's like. I, he, he said he gets that question literally every day. Yeah. Somebody's like, yo, man, are you really, like, first from the devil? <laughs> it's like, yo, it like, was a gimmick. It was a gimmick, yo. It worked, though. You know, cause <laughs> but he, it was a very good gimmick. He walked out around Florida dressed up like that, so he knew how to do it, you know? Oh, yeah. In the 80s, you had to live the gimmick, so that, that's what it was. Like, you literally had to live the gimmick, and he did it. So how'd you get into wrestling anyway? Man, 1987. When was WrestleMania four? I was uh, I was born. I was like I think I was born like a year, like a few months before that. So eighty five. Uh, okay. So was it four? No, I'm like I'm. Th- I must be thinking about five when um, uh, Macho Man won the tournament. Um, so that was maybe I don't know. I'm getting my numbers mixed up. But anyway, it was sometime in the 80s um, when Philadelphia was such a wrestling hotbed that they would come around all the time yes. at the Spectrum. And uh, w- NWA or WCW would, would do shows at the Civic Center. And then later in the 90s, we had ECW start in South Philly. So this was like wrestling headquarters on the East Coast. So, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So a lot of times uh, I couldn't go to shows. I was too young. But during WrestleMania, because Philly was such a hotbed, it took place in Atlantic City, which is like 90 minutes from Philly, but they would show it on closed-circuit TV at the Spectrum. So you could just walk into the arena and watch the show. And so I got on the subway with my cousin, and we went down to watch WrestleMania. And um, and I loved Savage. He was my guy. And from then on, man, I was hooked. Like, seeing it there on the big screen, seeing everybody cheering. And, and so I wasn't actually at a show, but it felt like I was at a show. And uh, that was the awesome. Like, every Saturday morning I was watching it. So I was already into it. But that's my cousin Howie. My cousin Howie got me into wrestling. He got me into De La Soul. And uh, he got me into Nintendo. So, like, he gets a lot of credit for all the things that I that I love was when I would stay with my cousin over the weekend. He was like my big brother because I, I was the only child. So having an older older kid show me some things was uh and then i would come back to the block like yo look at this have you ever heard of this look at wrestlemania you know and uh so yeah man that was it since the 80s i've been in and out i would say for since the 80s like I w- i'm in for like 10 years then i'm out for five or six and then i'm in and out and what got me back in recently was uh 
was like a personal relationship with Xavier Woods. Um, yes. And so he just he just happened to hit me up one day wanting music for his uh, – he, he was um, working with FCW, and at that time they let them choose their own entrance music. And he was like, I want something that's Mega Man, but I want something with some swag. And so he starts searching through the internet, and he found me. And he hits me up like, yo, do you mind – if we um, use this music. And I was like, man, what? of course. And uh, then he's like, all right, well, just fill out this paper and sign it, and then we're good to go. And so the paper had WWE on the top of it. And I was like, wait, what is this? And he's like, oh, yeah, WWE just bought our company, and uh, they're going to change it into this thing called NXT. And, uh, you know, but I don't know what's going to happen with that, but, you know, they, they're still letting me get the music, so cool. So that was it. And then I was like, wait, are you, are you on TV? And he's like, well, maybe I will be soon. So I started watching just to watch him and see what he was doing. And uh, so I started watching a little FCW stuff, and he would tell me ideas about the New Day and what he was going to eventually try to do, and then that winds up working out. And uh, so since then, I've been a fan. So just kind of watching making personal relationships and then wanting to see them succeed is what got me back into it. Cause I remember you were talking, you were getting back into wrestling and you mentioned on Twitter and also you said it would be kind of cool to be a part of new day's entourage. Right. <laughs> yeah. And damn near a year to the day. <laughs> wow. Really? If you think <laughs> so about it, it was, I guess so. If yeah. you think about it, cause I was like, Oh, I pay attention. I've been following you for a while. Hey, it's not stalking of his public. <laughs> it's called research. Right. Then. Oh, you're right about that. <laughs> you know? So, but, you know, that's another good question. So what was it like, you know, it's like, you know, making a tweet saying like, hey, it'd be kind of cool to walk out with the New Day, right? And damn near a year later, you're out there in the outdoors with the New Day. <laughs> that was, that's a dream come true, man. Like, I still, uh, I talk about it in the book because it was that cool to me. Like, um, I'm just sitting at the crib washing dishes and like, Xavier calls me up like, yo, man. Uh, we're going to be in Phoenix next week for SmackDown. And I was like, oh, that's what's up, you know? And he's like, all right, I got this weird, crazy idea. And I'm like, oh, boy. And he's like, yeah, man, I, I was thinking we do a rap battle. And, like, I pitched it to them, and they didn't say no. And I was like, oh, all right. And uh, so what's going on? And he's like, well, you know, I just wondered if you'd like to be a part of it, like to come out and be a part of our, like, entourage or whatever. And so at that time, he was saying that they were going to do it at, a, like, a secret location, like a, like a basement-type vibe. You know, make it look like a rap battle. Yeah, like a URL but, thing. Yeah, but then they said that as the idea started circulating around the office, everybody was like, no, let's put this in the ring. Like, this will be great in the ring. Yeah. And so, and uh, they were right. You know, it actually worked out really well. And I think if it would have been like pre taped, it might have come off kind of corny. So, uh, so it really worked. And they were like, yeah, yeah. So we want to have Wale come out and host it and have you be a part of it. And uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll we'll I'll get one of the producers to get in touch with you. And I was just like, oh shit, right? Okay. So yeah, man, it happened. And I remember getting there that day. And one thing that I noticed, and I'm not gonna give away too much kayfabe, but being backstage is the amount of respect that showed back there, man. Everybody is shaking hands. Yeah. Everybody is talking, and like it's such a big thing. Like I even I tweeted or maybe I Instagram that there were some special guests backstage. And I don't know if I was even supposed to say anything. So it wound up getting on like a dirt sheet. But Okada was backstage. From oh, Japan. shit. And, uh, and I was like, what? Because like the first thing they told me was, don't, you know, don't be a mark. Like, don't be back here trying to take pictures or things like that. And I was like, oh, of course not. Like, 
So then I see Charles Robinson, little Nate, the referee, yeah, yeah, yeah. taking a picture with this Asian dude, like a tall Asian dude. I was like, hmm, why does he take? Why does he want to take a picture of somebody? Like he's back here all the time. And I was like, yo, that's Okada, holy shit. And so I I went over to him, had a quick conversation, and took a picture. And dude, like. It was it blew my mind, but uh, just the amount of respect I saw that like, he shook everybody's hand, everyone he saw, look him in the eye, like, and I just love the the respect of it, you know, like that's what I I take from that the most is that it's such a respect based business, and at that Very. time, uh, Jinder Mahal was the champion, oh yeah, and so and Jinder came in, and I know he he was probably the most polite of them all, like he was the guy who went to every single person, like how you doing, thank you, how are you, like the makeup people the wardrobe people, the catering people, like just being super nice. And that that part like really struck me because, you know, you think all these people are like big muscle meatheads and, and dicks, you know, but like I love the respect thing I saw. Like everyone who I met shook my hand, looked me in the eye, treated me like, like a man, you know, even though I'm like, I'm not a muscle bound dude. I can't do anything for these guys, but I really appreciated the respect shown back there. True. So, did you do a reversal handshake or regular handshake? <laughs> it was pretty regular handshake. All right, cool. Because, yeah, it's like I was. It's like you know, yeah, I was. Yeah, because I was like, what the fuck's? Oh, that's what that is. Okay, that makes a lot of sense, though. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that makes a lot of sense now. So I got you. Okay, so I'm trying to figure out how that was written, though. So okay, you made it clear that you had nothing to do with the writing of the lines, or everything, right? I did not write lines. I gave suggestions. And that's it. And I gave my yes or no if it was, you know, like, yo, I like it or, yeah. you know, that was it. But they wrote it all. So how it's written is they were just, they had it in their head. Like, I didn't even see paper. So these dudes are just like, you know, just memorizing stuff. I mean, they work in TV. This is what they do. So they had it done. And um, and they were like, yo, come in, come in this room with us and we're going to just run over, go over lines. And then they would just kind of spit them at me. And then I'd be like, yo, that's dope, that's cool. And then they would just kind of be walking and rapping it out loud, you know, over and over to yourself, trying to get it. And uh, and that was it. But when it, when they wanted to make a change, I don't know if you remember the uh, line Kofi did about the hot dog. Yeah, I uh, do. He pulled out the little hot dog and he's like, we need you or something was the line. And um, that part wasn't previously approved. So seeing the process of that was cool because he – he did it uh, with me, and I was like, yo, that's funny. Like, that's going to get a good reaction. And he's like, all right, well, I'm going to see if I can put it in. So then he asked Road Dog, who was the, the producer of that segment, he asked him, like, yo, can we do this? And Road Dog's like, oh, you know, if you change something from the script, then you know you got to talk to you-know-who. Yeah. And everybody, everybody's like, uh-oh, oh. you know, like, you got to talk to Vince. And so they're like, you want to? You want to, and um, so Kofi's like, no problem. I'll just go to his office. And they're like, wait, he's not actually here today. And oh. they're like, oh man. So when he's not here, that means you got to call him on the phone, which means you got to take him away from whatever he's doing to ask him another question, you know, which is more likely to get a no than if you were going to just talk to him in person and, and describe it. So they're like, oh man, I don't want to bother him. I don't want to do this. And so. Uh, Road Dogs like, all right, we'll work on it. You guys just figure that out, and I'll let you know when we do the ring dress rehearsal if if it's a go. And then we go to the ring, we do a dress rehearsal, and like 
20 wrestlers are in the ring at the same time, like no lie. Everybody's working on their match all in the ring at the same time while we're like do, walking in doing the, you know, walkthrough of the rap battle. Uh, I look on one side, AJ Styles is, is grappling with uh, Chad Gable because they had a really good match that night. I see Rusev and Randy Orton and all these people. And, uh, but this is all happening at once. I was like, how do y'all even concentrate? <laughs> like, there's so much going on. So we walk out and then Rosar says, oh, by the way, you're uh, you're good. Like, we got him, we got the okay. And he's like, all right, cool. So I'm going to have a little prop. And he, he made the little hot dog and, you know. Uh, but, yeah, man, it was it was fun being just being a fly on the wall, man. Like, I, I didn't want to interrupt the process, but it was dope that they were like, man, you're a real rapper. Like, we want to. We're not rappers. We want to get your get your take on it, you know. So that was that was dope. All right. So now, okay. So I'm just wondering. So okay. So they went through it. So I guess they knew more what they were going to say to each other, right? Oh yeah. Well, except for the Usos, that their parts were not shared. Okay. So, yeah. Because I was trying to figure out. So okay. So when the line uh, hit, that was a legit reaction, right? Oh, oh, that was legit because we we you know like. Everyone said, like, okay, don't go there. You know, it was it was told to everyone, you know, like, yo, keep it PG. This is a PG show. Like, Road Dog kept repeating that. Like, don't screw me out there. It's a wait, PG wait, wait, show. Wait. Road Dog of all people. The motherfucker would basically say doggy style every fucking, fucking Monday, Thursday. Yep. Yep. The word of basically who's TV is like, oh, you better know. Your ass better call somebody. That guy? That guy. Yep, yep, yep. So he's like, don't screw me because, you know, my neck's on the line here. You know, that kind of thing. It's got to be PG. So Uh. the Usos, because they wanted a real reaction, kept saying, like, oh, we're not ready. We We don't have our lines. We don't have them. We're not ready. But we'll be ready when it's time. And But, of course, they had already run the lines by, you know, whoever. So uh, it was to get a legit real-time reaction because I think Woods even said, like, yo, don't don't go there, please. Like, don't mention that thing. <laughs> and they're all like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, we got you. <laughs> <laughs> and they totally mentioned the thing. So, yeah, it's, yeah, like, it was just, it was to get a real reaction, and it, it worked. Wally's face is priceless, <laughs> and I just basically yell, I was the other screen, you niggas got SmackDown canceled! <laughs> right, I was about to say, well, like, you can't give niggas shit! Like, is this about to be it? Like, cut the commercial? <laughs> like, oh my god! I was like, oh, they'll never do this again. They'll never do a rap battle again. No. <laughs> and the thing about it is, I'm because believe it, or not, they tried to do rap battle stuff beforehand, though. But it was, I'm just glad basically they had Wale and you to kind of give it some kind of credibility, and also. And it also made sense because I can see the Usos basically, they, it looked like they did their homework. Like, it looked like some URL shit. It looked fucking dope. Like, oh, yeah. it, it had me, great, like, they really gave that sense of authenticity. They really, you know, it was like, Carl me impressed. They did their fucking homework, you know? Oh, yeah. The level of, like, respect and homage given to hip-hop culture. I think Peter Rosenberg said, like, this is the best thing that they've done that was, that's been hip-hop adjacent. And, like, I agree. Like, I'm just glad to have been there for it because it could have it could have been really corny and really bad and cringy and garbage. But yeah, I call it piss breaks. Yeah, exactly. They did it right though, cause they had the right people. Actually, you know, like cause we've gone we've come a long way from Jim Ross trying to rap. <laughs> oh God. 
Okay, yeah. so speaking of okay, rappers, okay, speaking of wrestlers that rap, okay, how does Sunset Flip come about? <laughs> um gosh, how did that happen? Okay, so I think that I was hanging out I think this happened around the time of the uh okay, so Austin got hurt and was out on the shelf and he happened to tell me that while he was out, he was writing raps. And I was like, man, get out of here. And he's like, he's like, yo, I've been writing. And like, apparently he's like, dude, I've always been too scared to show you, but I actually wrote a remix to one of your songs. And I'm like, what? what? And so this song I wrote called Player Two on the Forever Famicom from like 2010, he's like, yo, first time I heard it, I wrote a verse to it. And then he, he like recorded it and let me hear it. And I was like, oh, this is cute. So like one day I may put it out. Because it's been sitting on my hard drive forever. And I was like, this is kind of cool, man. He's like, nah, it's whack. Just tell me it's whack. And I was like, it ain't terrible. He's like, but you know what, though? Now we got to collab. And he's like, oh, my God. You going to, like, blow me off a track? And I was like, nah, nah, man. If you don't feel comfortable, I'll even write it for you. But I think it should be a fun track that we do together. And I was like, all right, well, it can't just be us rapping about how cool we are. I wanted to make a track that was about story. And at the time, uh, I think the Lil Dicky song where Snoop Dogg came out, the professional rapper song. Yeah, Have you yeah, heard that? Yeah, yeah. Great concept, great execution, and it's basically Snoop telling him why he's not a rapper. And I was like, all right, well, why can't I get Xavier to tell me why I can't be a wrestler? <laughs> and so it was inspired by our conversations and by that song. And, um, and that beat, is a classic flip that's um gosh what is, I don't even remember what it's called but it was sampled by Pete Rock for um don't curse which is uh, that's what it was that's what it was it was driving me nuts because I was like it sounds familiar well it's like didn't Heavy D do this back in the day yes he did don't curse is a classic record classic it's like some of the best rappers in the world on the song talking about how they they don't they shouldn't cuss on the song and um it's so good. And so I was like, my man DM3 flipped that beat, and I was like, I used to freestyle to that. That was my, like my freestyle live show beat. And I was like, we got to do something to this. And so we started writing, and it was hilarious. And so I was like, we got to put this out. And so we did. And uh, it came together really good, man. I love how a lot of the lines, like the comedic timing, is just some of the stuff that he just has in him already. So as we were writing it, I was just like, all right, we got to make a joke about like what's the worst thing that could happen and he's like well i'm literally out hurt with the torn achilles <laughs> so yeah this is the worst thing that could happen and i was like okay so i gotta work that into the song <laughs> so so there's a line where i'm like so what's the worst thing really and he's like well you could tear your achilles <laughs> and uh so the song came out really really dope i love it a lot it's 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 quirky it's fun and it's got a touch of old school you know heavy d is one of my favorites and so to, to be able to give a little bit of a homage to Pete rock and heavy d is uh is always a good thing yeah, that's pretty dope you know because i remember because you know now xavier is you know I don't, i'm not sure what to call him because he's now going by austin creed in the social media now so you know mm-hmm. i go by many names too i'll put it that way you know oh yeah I mean, he's a smart dude, man. So I, I love the fact that with Up, Up, Down, Down, he created this uh, additional movement and, and stream of revenue and a world where all these wrestlers can exist under a different name, which is really dope. Like, they get to – now you, you have a name. You know how when people leave, they have to change their name up and stuff like that. Like, you already 
people already know you by two names. Like you've already been able to brand a second name. So it's pretty brilliant. Oh yeah, completely. You know, so it's like okay, but you know, looking back at the history, I've always seen more of a parallel in cutting great promos and great freestyles and battle raps, right? So, mm-hmm. has there ever been any other rappers, you know, that you were any of you know, the wrestlers you found out at rap or some like, well, shit, got a couple of bars on them. Well, I've never seen like uh, I'm trying to think. Has anybody else like really told me that they rapped? I haven't found out that anybody else like rapped, but they all secretly do. I think I think everybody at one point or another has come up with some bars either in the shower or wherever. So it's happened for sure, but I haven't seen it like where anyone's been confident enough to actually like tell people about it. <laughs> believe it or not, we have we have a mutual friend, believe it or not. Really? Cisco. I mean it makes sense actually because I know he's a big gamer, but I'm like, what's that's that's gonna be a cool story. Oh man. And yeah, it was through games, uh, of course. We um Gosh, the story is so great. Like, I was at, um, what's that thing called? Uh, E3, which is a big gaming event in L.A. And I'm just walking around, like, dumbstruck at all the cool stuff in the, you know, on the ceiling, on the floor. It's like, oh, all these games. I'm just walking around with my mouth wide open. Oh, oh, wow. And then I'd see Cisco being interviewed by somebody. And I was like, yeah, that guy looks like Cisco. But he got his hat really low, so yeah, I can't yeah. see the platinum hair. And I was like... Yo, what? What is Cisco doing here? And is that Cisco? So I'm just like, all right, well, whatever. And I start walking by, and he stops me. I hear somebody say Mega Ran, and I was like, wait, what? And he's like, yo, yo, Mega Ran, yo, oh my god, Mega Ran, yo, this is like my king's favorite rapper. Yo, come here, come here, come here, come here. And he like pulls me into his interview, <laughs> and I was right. like, yo. What is going on right now? I wish I could find that video because I'm just like dumbfounded. Like, um, what's happening? He's like, yo, make me say something to the people. And I was like, uh, that's Cisco, y'all. Like, that's all I can say. I was like, yo, that's Cisco, y'all. And like, he's like, yo, man, my kids love that Dream Master song. Oh, my God. Like, yo, like, I love your stuff. I heard you through Kind of Funny. And I was like, whoa, okay. Now I understand. So Kind of Funny is a podcast and network that I've done a show with. Um, Greg Miller, who used to work for IGN, started his own thing, and they've had me on a lot of times, and they've played my music live, and he is an avid watcher and, and a good friend of Greg. So he's like, man, my kids love that song. I play it over and over for them. They love it. They love it. They love it. So we should work together. And I was like, wait, what? Okay. And so that whole weekend, we wound up hanging out, man. Like, I went to this video shoot. He did this, uh, this like, EDM remix of, of, of Thong Song. Yeah. Like a skate skating rink. I was at the video and uh all kinds of cool stuff was going on, which ironically as a wrestling fan, you'll 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 peep this and understand. Um the the place they shot it at was also used for glow like a few months later. You're shooting a, a skating scene or something, and it's the same exact spot. Yeah. It's nice. in like Glendale or something like that. And uh I love glow, so like when I saw it I was like, wait a minute, that's the same spot they shot that video at. So uh Anywho, wind up hanging out with Cisco all weekend, getting all the all the cool like perks of being one of his entourage. So they bringing us bringing us drinks and going in behind, backstage to the Nintendo booth and getting to play the new Mario games first. And like we were just homies. And then Xavier wound up hanging out with us too, and we all had this big dinner. We all sat around and 
And then we whipped out our switches during dinner on the table and played Street Fighter 2 and I was whipping everybody. It was great. That's fucking awesome, though. <laughs> I mean, it's like, this is cool shit. Is like, it's like, no, it always kind of really fascinates me when worlds collide and intersect, like people you never expect to know or fuck with each other or even know, right? And then and looking yeah. back at it, it all fucking makes sense and shit. You right, know? right. Like, it, it should totally make sense. Like, we all like all the same stuff. I didn't realize Cisco was a, was a gamer like that. But oh. then, like, his son is named Ryu. Ryu. Yeah. So I was like, wait a minute. Like, I, I mean, the dragon and stuff. I guess I should have known oh, yeah. that he was into, into, like, Japanese culture. But, like... Big I, anime geek, I, too. I had no idea. So, but then, like you said, it, it just makes sense when I think about it. Like, oh, duh. Like, you think he was just into dragons, like, just because, you know? No. So, yeah, like... It, it's crazy to think like a guy who's that nerdy that I've hung out with. Oh, totally. The scene who was that nerdy was like Def Jam's biggest artist. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's like a sex symbol for the world. You know what I mean? It's like, yo, that's it's so crazy to think that. But yeah, super down to earth, good dude, man. All right, so I know one thing about it, like you, you like you know played a lot of different venues. I know one is like uh, conventions too, right? Oh yeah. Okay, so is there a difference between performing at conventions and typical venues? Uh, yeah, for sure. I think playing at venues, you get um, you know, that intimate feel of being on the stage. Going to a convention, you don't know what you're getting into. You may get there. They don't have anything. <laughs> like They don't know what, what a stage show is supposed to look like. So you can get up there and find that they have nothing. Uh, so now I, I bring my own mic. I make sure I bring my, a sound person or I make sure that there's going to be a sound personal staff um and conventions you're you're going to get an audience of people who aren't necessarily concert goers you know these are people who came especially to a con like a comic con they came to see the freaking dude who draws the simpsons they didn't come to see you you know so they're like not necessarily going to be fans of yours and so i've learned how to operate and make music and play music live to people that are not necessarily my fans at a higher level, I think, because I've done it for most of my life. And uh, and I think that that creates a much better performer because you're you're there to win a crowd over. You are. Every single time. You know what I'm saying? And so for that reason, I think that I, I've, I won't say mastered, but I've gotten very, 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 very good at performance. And it's because I've had to win over crowds for the majority of my career. And if you're doing that a lot, you're only going to get better and better, you know, and it's going to, it's going to touch people in a different way because you're literally trying and they can see that you're trying, you know? And so I've absolutely had more success doing that. And uh, and I think that that makes a better overall performance performance situation and atmosphere and a better performer. So yeah, I, I absolutely love it. But it's a it's day and night, you know. Yeah, because you know, kind of like in wrestling, you know, it's like you have to one has to do whatever, get over, pretty much, right? Oh yeah, the same thing. You got to get over, and like by all means, you got to get over. And there's there's no two two ways about it, like. You better get over, it or they're going to be booing you, oh, yeah. <laughs> or right. walking away, or whatever. You know? Oof. Oh, yeah. So, what's PAX like? It's awesome, man. Like, just huge crowds. I'm glad I got to go last year to PAX East. Um, that was like right before the pandemic all went down. Um, 
it was really, really a great experience. I think being around, you know, all your favorite video games, your favorite developers, your favorite, you know, get to see new stuff, get to play a game for a little while. And like being in for me, getting recognized at events like that is just that'll never get old. Like I'm walking around and back in the day, you know, on a personal note, I, I just never used to see a lot of black people at these events. And now you know, now over the last ten years of me going, I've seen that increase so much and I get so excited when I see, you know, black and brown kids at these events and I'm like, yo, I need need us all to realize that we belong at these events. Like we consume this stuff, we love it, then we need to be at these events and we need to show our faces and let people know that we're 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 supposed to be here. You know, and it, that that's been the coolest thing is to see that growth of people of color popping up at these events. Oh, yeah, because I remember going to Oticon in 1998, actually, right? And as Angela Moore Fishman put it, yeah, a bit of a fly in the buttermilk, fly, bit of a fly in the buttermilk situation, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, so, yeah, it would be like, you know, the only black people there would actually be like, you know, my mom, sister, and I, um, a couple of artists, though, you know, but, you know, that's the reason why. And then what I have noticed over the years, you know, like, so 98 and everything, like, because, you know, we're not new to this shit. Like, it's, it gives us kind of weird moments when, um, you know, when you feel like, damn, I've been doing this shit for a while. Like, like I'll put it this way. There's pre-Toonami and post-Toonami. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. like, the first anime I ever saw was Akira, Vampire Hunter D, um, stuff like that. And yep. now they're, co- and I'm, I remember like Dragon Ball, like getting up at 6 30 in the goddamn morning to watch on WV TV in Baltimore. <laughs> you know, I remember watching like, you know, Dragon Ball Z, you know, on International Channel. Raw Japanese, no subtitles. I don't know what the fuck they were saying, but they didn't <laughs> cut a damn thing out. You saw Goku get a whole blasted through him. You know, it's like, whoa, <laughs> like, wow, that was way gorier than I expected. You know, and, because yeah. I remember that, and it's like, so now it's like, um, you know, so I put the stuff like that, and, you know, I remember, like, my mom was working on WDCA-TV, and she was talking about stuff like Astro Boy, you know, so, like, um, I remember, like, you know, like, uh, I remember, like, hearing about Kimba the White Lion and stuff like that, so I'm, like, on our, our girl about G-Force, Speed Racer, of course, you know, stuff like that, mm-hmm. so, yeah. you know, I'm, like, I am not new to this. In fact, I could probably tell you a couple of short... In fact, guys, I guess we could tell you a couple of fucking shortcuts and shit, you know? <laughs> For sure. You know, we're not new to that road at all. So, and so it's kind of weird hearing, like, somebody call, like, you know, something like, you know, like, like Dragon Ball Z old school or something. I'm like, okay, you know? Yeah. And now it's like, <laughs> and people, like, griping about it now. I hear, like, people complain about, like, Dragon Ball Z was that great. No, but that's another thing, too. Like, I'm glad to see, and that's another thing too. I'm glad to see like this up. But here, think about it. The first time I saw like anime and like hip hop combined, believe it or not, wasn't a "Do for Love" video by with Tupac. Mm, wow, I, you know, and I never thought about that. First time I ever saw that shit, you know. Yeah. First time I saw like, that. Yeah, think about the first time you saw a black person drawn in anime style. It was the really Tupac one, <laughs> and holy crap! Exactly right. That was. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, I mean, you can count Mr. Popo too, but I wouldn't count that one. Mm. No, I wouldn't do that, actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, that being said, so it's just one of those things where I noticed over the last few, 
last really last decade, right? The whole blurred thing, which damn that. Because remember, it was blurred or you're a blipster, you know. <laughs> you know, so I'm like, what the fuck? It's like, did you call me a blister, dude? What the fuck? You know, <laughs> I never could be like a blipster because I was too fat, black, or friendly. Like I might say, you're probably not familiar, but let me show you something around. Like I'm more accommodating, if that makes sense or not. Like, you know, it's like yes, I might look a little bit like Jeff Albertson off The Simpsons, but you know, I'm a little more friendlier, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, takes total sense. You know, but speaking of which, what are your thoughts on the whole blurred thing? Because I feel they're black nerds and some niggas that basic cable. <laughs> Trying to get into spaces. Yeah. You know. Um I mean the the term blurred is cool, but you know, I don't think we necessarily have to co opt everything. I mean, we are nerds, so I don't you know, like don't be scared of the word. Like nerd just means you're passionate about something. You know, like I think we as, as black people, I mean we're 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 good at it. We're good at remixing culture in general, you know, to putting putting some swag and stank on it. But like we're, we're nerds. Like I'm okay with being called a nerd because that just means you're passionate. So I don't know. I don't use blurred a whole lot, <laughs> but you know, I, to me it comes off like I don't necessarily need to like hey, I am who I am, you know. So I don't need to make up a new term for it. But um but yeah, I, I understand it. But it's not exactly catching on. I think the way everybody might want it to. Confusing it all together, though. So, how did Matt Mania come about? You know, your podcast, Matt Mania. How'd that come about? Well, uh, same thing. I was just following wrestling, and I remember watching it's Night of Champions twenty fifteen or sixteen when Sting's last match happened. And I think that was, I was so distraught and I, I just wanted to speak my mind. And um, there was a time that I wanted somebody to call me and ask me to be on a podcast. And it, it didn't happen that night. So I was like, you know, I'm just starting my own podcast. Let me just chat about it. And so I just, in the hotel room in Houston, I just set up my recorder and just started talking. And that's really what it was. I wanted to create a, a hip hop based or hip hop centric wrestling podcast, you know? And, um, that's that's all it was. It was just me wanting to speak from my perspective as a hip hop kid who loves wrestling and anime and nerdy stuff, you know. And uh, and it's it's kept up all this time. So props to me for that because I have never kept the podcast going this long, and we're at episode one eighty seven right now. And um, so two hundred is my new goal, and uh, at this rate, we'll, we'll hit that soon. So. Uh, yeah, shout out to everybody that, that pops up on there. My co-host, T-Call, Rock Knowledge, uh, G1, and Neo X. Nice. So I'm just kind of curious. So do you think it was an eventual, eventuality or was it a cultural shift where things are starting to come together? Like rappers that basically like 10, 50 years ago say, yeah, I don't watch that fake shit. Now they're basically admitting to wrestling fans or same thing. Like when do you think the shift happened? Uh, I don't know if it's still fully happened, you know, but people are still trying to fight it. But, you know, I think we have a lot of guys that are helping out on the front lines with it, you know, West Side Gun and Wale and those guys. But, like, but, yeah, there's not – I still, like, it still hasn't fully crossed over. Like, I got a lot of homies who are just like, well, that's, that's fake shit. I can't, you know. And and it's like, all right, well, you watch gangster movies and they're fake, you know. Uh so, you know, but nobody's been able to put that together and find the, the parallel. So um, I think it was just a natural cultural shift 
especially for kids who came up loving comic books, because wrestling is like literally a live action comic book. You know what I mean? Like you got the muscular dudes and women fighting, and it's basically live action comics. So to yeah. me, it's a natural progression. Yeah. Totally. You know. All right. So about to wrap it up actually soon, but it's like, all right, I like to kind of geek out because remember you had an engineering background. I like to kind of geek out about geek out about stuff like this. So, where do you prefer to record, home studio or commercial studio? Mm, commercial studio. I I record at home if I have to, but I need an escape. I think I make my best music when I'm not in the house. I just uh, prefer mic. Mm, I like this Audio Technica that I have right now. It's it does the job, but um, I really do trust Audio Technica. And um, for home, I use a, a P48 that I like a lot. Cool. I'm rocking like an AT200 USB, like 205 USB right now. Nice. Yep. It's quite effective, you know, so. Yeah, I, I swear by Audio Technica, man. I've, I've stuck with them throughout the years, and it's been, they, they've never let me down. Yeah. All right, so I guess to wrap it up, because the reason why I have you on here, because he's wrote a book, actually, you know, and I was wondering, so when did you feel, because it's a total page turner, like, your story is very fascinating, you know, and a lot of parallels, I'm like, a few times, I'm saying, you too, huh? Um, <laughs> and there was Thank some you. stuff in there, too, where I kind of felt like, okay, when did you feel strong enough to talk about certain things? Like, when did you get into writing? Oh, man, I started writing five or six years ago, but... I, I I don't know. I still never really thought this was going to come out. You know, like, I was very afraid as far as, like, you know, sharing your innermost feelings as well as, like, you know, some things that weren't so great or, like, the insides of creating, like, the process while I'm still in the process of being a creator, you know? Like, I haven't retired yet. So um a lot of this stuff i thought about like maybe i should save it or share it but no I, i've talked to editors and things and they're like man you got more save it for the next book like you know ice t wrote his first memoir like seven years into his rap career um obama wrote his first memoir in 95 you know no one had even knew who he was you know so i think uh there's much more of the story that's going to come in the future books but i just thought that this could hopefully inspire a lot of people like you know people who came from where we came from and didn't know it was okay to be who you were you know and that's really who i'm who i'm talking to so i'm glad you're enjoying it man love it great book actually you know really cool story you know you know like really fascinating story actually you know so because i don't want to give too much away actually because i want people to check it out because you know i feel like uh one of my favorite parts was actually it kind of one of those moments when we were in college that the moment where stuff got a little too haywire like you know the black jokes thing right I was mm-hmm. like yikes alright the first two were kind of funny but I was like no when to cut <laughs> yeah like see I have a yeah I have a silly sense of humor so I'll laugh at anything if it's funny you could be talking about me you could talk about my mom but if it's funny it's funny um but then it just yeah you gotta you gotta have some sort of comedic timing to know like all right i'm going too far then we put him in a position where he felt way too comfortable and that's something that i and i think a lot of people of color particularly black people struggle with is putting our maybe white friends in positions where they feel comfortable and we love to do that but sometimes we give them a little too much rope and and this was one of those situations where I was like, yo, 
uh, I was not expecting it to go here. Like, you got to relax. And um, and that was just the beginning of, you know, a really rocky time for us being together in that room. But, like, that's really what college taught me is just how to navigate in spaces in, in mixed company, you know, so to speak. And, uh, yeah, like, I can't remember two things I got in the classroom, but, like, but all the, you know, like, none of the books about picking up actual things in the classroom. It's just all the other things I learned about myself in that process is what, what I learned from college. You know, what are three albums of yours that I should suggest to them? Well, I think three albums. I'd say my first album, The Call. I'd say 2010's album, Forever Famicom. And then... 2015's album Random, R-N-D-M. I think those will show you kind of where I was, where I was trying to get to, and then where I, where I got to as a as a man, you know. Okay. Yeah. So those are three solid albums too, actually, you know. Thank you. Yeah, it's like, to be honest, I can, t- I can talk to you all day, but I know you got other stuff to do, actually, you know, so probably, like, you know, you know, I'll probably email you some other stuff too. I just want to mention, by okay. the way, great tribute to Rocky Johnson. By the way, you know. Oh, thank you, thank you. That was fucking dope. By the way, that was fucking awesome. I I clearly remember, you know, just being an old old guy in general and an old wrestling fan. Like I remember Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas and and like them being literally, a, as far as I knew, the first black dudes I saw on the screen that weren't like. A, a caricature, you know what I mean? Like weren't weren't just dancing around, like you know, no no disrespect to like Coco Beware and Junkyard Dog and guys like that, but like these guys were just great bodies who could work, and you know, were just dope, and and I loved that about them. And so yeah, man, when when he passed, I knew it was something that really hit me because I was like, wow, that's one of the first remnants or one of the last remnants of of my beginnings of wrestling history, you know, so. Uh, so yeah, man, the Rock show some love. Retweeted it. I I was flabbergasted. Like I was, I, cool I was shit. like, yo, I was like, we're on the way. Like, oh snap, yeah. I'm on. Yeah, me and Dwayne, we're basically homies now. You know. So, you know. <laughs> I know, right? So that's always some cool shit. Like you know, another thing too, like you know, Rocky Johnson, Tony Atlas. Technically, they're the first black tag team champs. I consider that black history. So yep, that's black history for sure. You know, see, it's like you know. I put it up there. I put, you know, there you go. So, hey, that was Mega Man. Check out his book, Dream Master. Also, check out MegaRanMusic.com for his catalog. Remember to share the show. Until next time, take it easy.